This week is uh, the Parsha, the Parsha portion that we're going to read is Tetzaveh, the only Parsha that Moshe Rabbeinu's name doesn't appear. We're going to be learning today something from uh, a very special book, Me'ashiloach, the, the first book of, uh, of Ishbetz Chassidus. So uh, the Torah we're learning, if, if anybody's following, uh, we'll try to translate it as we go along. I don't know if we'll do it word for word. I mean, this this Torah happens to be somewhat short. Some of the Torahs here are a little bit longer. So I don't know if we'll be learning this book every week. And if we'll translate every time, we'll try to give a translation. But if you're following, so the, the Torah starts, Ve'asita Mizbach Ktoret. Mizbach Miktar Ktoret. That's the, the verse in the Torah that we're contemplating on. Now, if we're going to make this uh, our custom to learn the Ishbitz, uh, this very, very profound thoughts some of the some of the varying types of contemplations that you get here so this one is also relatively more and more abstract but uh, we're trying to focus on the on the more psychological concepts or the more psychological ideas that arise from the concepts that the the Ishbitzer Rebbe here is is contemplating on so I'll read it from inside I'll try to translate it briefly and then again we'll we'll contemplate on it somewhat so he says like this the verse says Vasita Mizbeach Baruch Hu, one of the one of the the vessels in the in the Mishkan one of the Artifacts that needs to be crafted is the mizbeach, mizbeach azahav, the the golden uh, altar where the ktoret, the incense, is sacrificed on. So that was one of the one of the artifacts in the mishkan. Now he brings from the zohar what he, what this artifact rec- artifact represents. So he says like this: so All the artifacts were all mentioned in the previous parsha that we read, we just read yesterday, in parsha tuma. Except for this one artifact. So this one artifact, just the the golden, uh, the golden mizbeach where the ktorot is the the incense is sacrificed. That's the only one that's mentioned in our parsha. Even though most of them, I mean, the last parsha we read, truma, so a big portion of the parsha is describing all of the building of the mishkan, the tabernacle in the desert. But this one artifact isn't mentioned there. It's only mentioned here. So it's mentioned later. There's something about this artifact. That needs to be later than all of the other artifacts. So the, again, also as I'll explain, the, the spiritual faculty that this represents is something that has to be, has to appear only in a later stage of all of the previous uh, entities or the spe- previous spiritual faculties that were discussed in the previous parsha. Mitam de ita He he quotes the Zohar. The Zohar says that ktoretiktira de kula. So there's a linguistic game here in the Zohar that says that the word for incense is the same word for ketira, which means to make a knot or a tie. Now, a knot or a tie, you know, especially in Hebrew, keshel. When you say there's a keshel, the word means connection. I mean, ketira comes from the word keshel in Hebrew. So to make a, a connection, to make a tie between two things is, is like, like, like to associate between, th- between two things. And the words in Hebrew, they, they intertwine the roots of these words so uh, just like you'd say okay, also logically making a knot is connecting two things so you can also make intellectual knots or associative knots so mizbach haktoret sacrificing of the incense the word for incense is also the word for knots so this artifact where where the incense is brought to Hashem, so the knots, the connections, all of your associative connections are brought to Hashem, this sacrifice is what's happening in the golden uh, Mizbeach in the tabernacle. 
היינו שמרמז כי כל הדברים הנעשים, אף בעולם הזה, הכל מקושר ברצון השם יתברך. ובלתי רצונו לא יעשה שום דבר. So this is alluding to the fact that everything that happens in reality is all intertwined, like a butterfly theory. Everything is associated, everything is intertwined. All of this hashgachapati, this divine providence on all details. And not only is there divine providence that every, every detail is being led and actualized by Hashem, but there's also an, a connection between everything. So everything doesn't stand alone. It's part of like a grand master plan. So there's, there's a connection, an uh, associative connection between all the details of reality. Now, realizing this or surfacing that point of connection within every scenario, with every, in every creation, every existence, surfacing that is the idiom of bringing or sacrificing and rising, elevating all the details of creation, just like we do in, also physically in the, in the incense. You take all sorts of different ingredients. And again, a lot of these things, like a lot of concepts in Me'ashilach, or in generally, in a lot of the general Hasidic books, the Hasidic books, like in Chabad, relatively, you'll get more detailed contemplations, and a lot of times, things won't be just stated. So he, when you study a book like Me'ashilach, so there's a lot of statements being made. So either you take it for granted, or you, you need to study the broth of the, of the background, where everything is coming from. So th- these topics are usually contemplated on throughout Hasidic study, and a lot of what he says is alluding to previous knowledge, or again, just... Or you can count on him. So we're not. We don't want to prolong these classes too much. We don't want to get go on and on, and the trail from thought to thought. We don't want to make too much associative connections here. But uh, this idea of of the ktorit alluding to a, a variety array of different details in reality is explained in many places in Hasidut. So just like the physical uh, expression that you take all sorts of ingredients, and each ingredient, as explained, represents something, and also the, the variety of ingredients is also technically very, very different, varies very differently from different trees and animals and blood of different animals, very different also there. There are kosher, pure ingredients, and there are also non-kosher ingredients, and in it's actually the only sacrifice made in reality for, that takes a non-kosher uh, faculty from creation, everything else that's brought into the temple or into the tabernacle is only pure animals. So the only sacrifice that's made from something that's impure, the blood of a certain of a certain uh, serpent, of a certain uh, animal, unpure animal, the only thing that's sacrificed that way is in the Ktorat. Again, so these are all things, he doesn't mention this. He just says what the Zohar quotes and is elaborated on in many places, that, the, that this, this practice, this... Uh, <clears throat> this uh, sacrifice in the temple, in the tabernacle, you take all of the details, the array of details from reality, and you put them together and you elevate them to Hashem, is alluding to, to the ability to surface the intertwined connection, like the divine providence that connects all of the of vast details of creation. So that the, the sacrifice of, of the, of the ktorit, of the incense in the temple. Now, So he says that this sort of contemplation, this this is a very, this is a very basic, could be very profound. It's like a very basic concept in Hasidut or in Jewish thought that there's divine providence. And saying that there's divine providence immediately implies that there is a connection between things. So if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is running the show and he's... He's, uh, he's taking care of all the details in my life and in your life and all of creation. And even, uh, again, just like the, the scientific butterfly theory, anything that happens anywhere in the universe is part of this master plan. And nothing, nothing is random because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is 
he's he's doing creation creation is an action it's something that's being done and it's, it exists ex nihilo so something's someone's creating it so reality is a verb it's not a noun per se so that that's the implication of saying that there's a creation implying that there's that this is that our reality is a verb it's something that hashem does so that implication immediately again logically if i if i comply to this if i believe if i if i comprehend reality as an action of something that someone's doing it doesn't exist in of its own so i see it as something that's being done so every detail is is something that's uh, like when you if you view reality as as an action like a verb so everything becomes uh, important it's something that's being it's purposeful and like when you do something then there's purpose to everything you're doing it's not just if it's something just standing there so it implies that there's there's not necessarily associated you wouldn't associate it with the meaning or that it implies anything but if it's a verb if someone's doing something so there's intent now the second you view reality as something that hashem is doing so immediately there's an intent now intent connects all the dots so just like if you see someone i don't know fixing your car so maybe he's doing all sorts of things that you don't understand but that that you assume and hopefully you're correct that he has a certain intent maybe even a good intent to fix your car and what he's doing so it it automatically makes you assume that there's a connection between all the dots that all the everything he's doing if he's unscrewing one screw and connecting another screw even if you don't have the understanding to comprehend how it all works together but it would imply that everything he does coexists now same thing in our creation so the the sacrifice of the incense is revealing or a, acquiring this point of view where we try to reveal and contemplate and meditate on how all of the details of reality come together so really connecting all the dots of the universe could be could be big data somewhat complicated somewhat uh, difficult but within a person's life so this is definitely something that uh, can be very experiential where there are a lot of random occurrences happening when a person says that he's experienced divine providence what does he usually mean usually what he means is that all sorts of things happen to me and at a certain point of time everything came together like i realized how missing the bus here or, or talking to that person or that random encounter everything came together and and at a certain point revealed a certain divine providence where i could feel i could sense i could see how kudush baruch was leading this leading me in a certain direction a good direction so that that sensation of dots coming together a lot of random details coming together that is the contemplation that the that the ktorit implies now what does he say that this experience this sensation which is like again like an unveiling of hashem's involvement not just involved in initiative involvement initiated involvement where he's running the show could give a person a sense of lack of choice or or irrelevance in the in the outcome the dictation of his own life because if everything's if i feel that sensation that everything is divinely uh, orchestrated so i it, it kind of diminishes the importance of my self-involvement so a person could become negligible that's what he's implying what he's saying here that this contemplation or this sacrifice of the of the ktorit of the incense where you put all the dots together so when you get that image of hashem's initiative involvement in all the details of your life it could have an implication on how seriously you take your personal choice your personal involvement so you could take things lightly you could be negligible about your your own initiative that's not a good thing so for this reason as i'll explain now this is why the this service or this contemplation has to always come last that's what he's going to say
Okay, lo nemar mizbeach b'achat tuma. So that's why this contemplation, this again, this artifact of and what it represents wasn't mentioned together with all the other artifacts of the tabernacle in the previous parsha. It was delayed to the next parsha, to our parsha. So the main, the main faculty that was already discussed, even though again all of the artifacts were were discussed in the previous parsha, but the main faculty, which is also one of the most details, most detailed points or the most detailed topics of the tabernacle, or the the clothes, the garments of the high priest, the eight fascinating, very special garments. Now again, like I said, all of these concepts are are very very in length elaborated on Hasidut. So each one represents something else. But in general he mentions that the, the garments of the of the high priest represent awe. Each one of them is a different type of awe. That's what he's saying. Actually great awe. Again, where a person is uh, we'd say takes himself very seriously, very very trepidatious. Trepidation and awe come from a sensation of of importance that what i'm doing is it has has dire consequences so my choices i need to be again it's the opposite of the sensation we were saying before where a person could be negligible and feel that his choice isn't very important so my my sense of involvement is what breeds my awe or my trepidation my caution in the service of hashem and that's what the pre the garments of the high priest represent again this is all he's bringing from the zohar so in the Gemara, it's mentioned how each one of these garments is something that uh, compensates or, or uh, rectifies different sins, different negligible deeds that a person could do, because the garments represent the, op- the opposite of negligence. So the, the high priest, by wearing these garments he he rectifies or elevates all of the people's consciousness to strengthen their trepidation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So only after that was mentioned in the previous parsha can we reach the the sacrifice of the incense which is this contemplation of the the synchronization of all the details of Kaddish Baruch Hu's involvement. So that, again, that's a brief elaboration and translation of what he said. Now, we'll take the main point that we want to contemplate on here. He, he mentioned two sides, two sides of, of we could say, my experiential relationship with Kaddish Baruch Hu. Like, like everything, uh, different or contradictory experiences by essence, are all coexistence. I mean, the most basic faculty of godliness is that it's paradoxical. So in our in our consciousness, in our reality, everything is is uh, is finite. And the inherent trait of finitude is that paradoxes can't coexist. So all paradoxes in our reality are always broken down. So you, there's either black or white. So you have to put it in different places or different times. You can't coexist. You can't be black and white. You can't be a round triangle. But concepts, conceptually, they coexist within godliness. So same thing here. Um, these are maybe one of the most fundamental concepts. I mean, it's also true that there's self-involvement. The Kodesh Baruch Hu, he creates the world and he gives us free will. But it's also true that there's divine providence. Now, these two concepts, as explained in many, many sources in Torah, are maybe the most fundamental paradox or 
consciously one of the most difficult paradoxes to to contemplate to contain that we also have free will also have free involvement and also there's providence who is also involved in our life and these two things don't contradict now in order for them to not contradict for us we need to organize them just like any paradox again the the entire like we said before the entire base of finitude like our finite world which is basically made up of of time and space like like Einstein even didn't like calling that two things, just time space, is is like uh, you can view it as a pattern or a, a a way, a neck to be able to break down paradoxes. That's what time and space are. If you have paradoxes like black and white, so the, the way to break down a paradox that you can't contain coexistence is either you put it in two different places, you have black here or white here, or in two different times, first black and then white. So all of reality, that's what finitude is. Finitude is a method of breaking down paradoxes. Same thing here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's involvement, and on the other hand, his, his willingness or, or will to give us space, like to, to, to pull away, again, like parenting, you take that as an allegory. Like a parent, he also wants to be very involved in his children's life on the one hand. He also wants to allow them to grow. He wants to give them space. He wants to take a step back. Now, again, as parents, we could be also fondling with that paradox and not doing it so well because he wants to do them both and he actually does them both. But in order for us to, to realize both involvements, where Kaddish Baruch was also giving us space and simultaneously also involved, so in our minds we can't contain both together. So we need to organize them. And what he wants to say here is that it's fundamental, again, to, to digest the paradox correctly. We have to organize it just like these parashot are organized. First you have to contemplate on the seriousness, the formidability of reality. Because if you start with Hashem's involvement, if that's the first concept you digest, then it might create or mitigate the seriousness of how you take reality. It might create a certain, like we said before, negligibility. That I don't feel that my choice matters. So first the Torah describes the the artifacts of the tabernacle that represent the importance of a person's self-involvement. And once that's been set in a, in a strong manner of how much a Kodesh Baruch Hu cares about your deeds and how involved, he, how, much he, he, how much room and space he gives you, how much choice he gives you, and how much he's involved in your choice and interested in your choice and, and willful for you to choose, how much your choice is something of importance to Hashem. So after that, he reveals his also his own involvement and how much he's leading the show and how much divine providence there is. And then it sweetens the harshness of, the, of your personal involvement. Now also psychologically, that's a very, very important balance to maintain. On the one hand, people, we, we want to have awe. Again, awe, formidability, is, is something, when you just say the word awe, especially today in our modern day and age, people don't really like uh, in religious context, at least, people kind of think of fear and awe as something not so palatable. So everything has to be peace and love and, and very soft. But if you think about it, that's not true in life. I and mean, we don't awe and fear are like tension. So you don't want to you don't want to be tense on the one hand, but you also you don't want to be too lax. So you want to have a certain tension in life, like again, like the like the strings of guitar. It has to be correct tension to produce. Uh, a, a livelihood, something labadic, to sound good. 
Yeah, it could be too tense and you can tear the string, but you don't want to be completely flexed. If you're completely relaxed, you're just dead. That's, that's what happens to your body when you when you lose your livelihood. So people and people spend a lot of money today to to get adrenaline drives, jumping, bungee jumping, or jumping out of planes, or watching horror movies. Fear and awe are a commodity. We want fear and awe. Also in our service of Hashem, we want high tension. Now, the high tension comes from a, from a feeling of seriousness, that our choice is important. Everything we do is ma matters. And, but there's a formidability to that. Maybe I'll make the wrong choice. Maybe I'll miss the bus. Now, while I'm involved, I might get the notion that I don't want to, it's, it's scary to think that everything's very serious. So it's very important to realize that fear, tension, and seriousness are a commodity. We don't want to lose that. We don't want to, we don't want not to take our life seriously. We want to take our life very seriously. But there's a formidability to that. And if you take it too seriously, like dead seriously, then it could, it could be neurotic. So we always want to sweeten our fears. Now that's the pace of life. You can also realize this in your personal experience that the way we go through life, that's why sweetening or the realization of divine providence, just like in the, in the order of the parashot, in the order of the chapters of the Torah, so also in our psychological experience of life, the realization of providence is always in retrospect. So after you've gone through... Um, in experience, you always see like a section at a time, like a frame, like watching a movie. You see one frame at a time, and then you get to experience the seriousness of your involvement. But once you have a bird's eye view, and you can have retrospect on how all of these occurrences come together, and that's the contemplation of the of the of the ktoret, of the incense, where you put all the details together and you elevate them to Hashem, so you can see how it's all a master plan, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu is involved. But that experience. In life, experientially, that's always in retrospect. It's always, a, it's always a second point of view. And that retrospect, it sweetens the formidability, the harshness of the tension. Now, so that, this way we get to, to gain both sides of the picture, if we pace it correctly. So on the, on the one hand, there's truth to reality. The experience of living is, is full of real involvement. And what we do, and this is also HaKadosh Baruch Hu, experiences our HaKadosh Baruch Hu views it and He gives space, he, he creates us in a real manner that our re life and our reality is very, very real. But nonetheless, in retrospect, we can also see how everything is also happening, uh, the occurrence is occurring within the bosom of Hashem. So when in retrospect, you see the bigger picture, you can see how everything comes together. And then that sweetens the harshness of the serious awe. That was it. That was experienced in the while you were involved in the process. So the process is, should be taken with a lot of awe, a lot of seriousness, and always we should try to merit, to contemplate in retrospect and see how all the dots come together. And and there there you can see the the context, the connections, the ksharim, the ktoret, which is what that word means. All of the ties of the knots between all the details, and that it, it, it reveals, exposes Hashem's involvement and sweetens the harshness of our own choice. So this is, again, a, a psychological expression of how we experience the paradox of free will and divine providence. And uh, the correct pace, as he says, like the order of the parashot, is that first, in the process, you experience mainly the side of your free will. And you should take it very seriously. That experience is what Hashem is taking it seriously. And in retrospect, 
then you, when you see the broader picture, the bird's eye view, afterwards you look back at all the details, they come together, you see all the knots, and that exposes Hashem's involvement, Hashem's divine providence. So that's a, a word from the Ishbitz on the order of these parashot, between Truma and Tetzaveh. That's what I'm Everybody should have a Shavuot of a good week. That's what Hashem, we have a, a whole week now to contemplate on this, on this word. And then by the time we reach Shabbos, we'll have retrospect. We'll be able to see all the divine providence that we're, we're going through in the next few days of this week. Bezrat Hashem. So thank you for joining. And Bezrat Hashem, I hope every week we'll be able to make a, a short vort, either from the Ishbitz or from one of the tzaddikim of the Hasidut. Call to...